Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Please stay tuned at the end of this message to hear a discussion about our new premium subscription and an update on all that we're doing here at VBPH. Thanks, guys. Hallelujah. It is truly a privilege and an honor to be here. There's probably not a greater privilege and a greater joy and a greater challenge than to speak to the men of this generation. How many folks know we need desperately need men that will rise to the challenge of advancing the kingdom of God? Something happened to me not too long ago. In fact, uh, it's been right about a year ago. I was in prayer on regular Sunday morning, uh, uh, Monday morning prayer meeting, and uh, I was alone. So I thought, you know what, this Wednesday I'm going to preach a sermon on prayer that's going to either get every Navajo man saved or I'm going to run off every Navajo in the church. So true to form, I preached a scorcher. I mean, I was, I, it, was, it was so bloody, I was ashamed. So after the service, you know, if you're a pastor, you know what I mean. You, I walked away kind of feeling bad. And we do do that. We walk away kind of feeling bad. And I thought, well, if nothing else, I'll have a great prayer meeting tomorrow morning. I'll be all healed up. Hallelujah. Well, the next morning I get there very early, which is common. And I'm beginning to pray. And come 7 o'clock, I'm still alone. 7.05, I'm flaming still alone. Now I'm thinking, what's wrong here? And you ain't, you're not going to believe what I begin to think. I begin, now you're going to think this is stupid, but I thought the rapture came and I got left behind. <laughs> I'm not lying. So I kneel down at my chair and I mean, I'm nervous. No one's there. And I get up and I'm going to go call my wife. And I'm saying, what are you thinking? You're the pastor. Surely you would have gone. So I, I thought, oh, I got up and I begin to walk to the parking lot. And I saw a brother coming in, and I, hello, pastor. I said, hello. And I thought, I don't think he's saved. He don't count. (laughs) He would have got left behind as well. (laughs) Finally, my son-in-law came in tiptoeing. And I was so happy to see him. Chris, come here, son. Pray right here by your pastor. Now, I, I know that sounds pretty crazy, but what I believe happened to me that morning is I believed for the first time in a long time, I was genuinely concerned about my own spirituality. 
I knelt down that morning in prayer, and I began to search my heart. I'm an older, seasoned pastor now, and I am searching my heart. I want to preach to you this morning about a spiritual concern, because I believe this is valid if we're going to do anything for God. In the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verse 23 and 24, the Bible says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. Somewhere in our lives, I believe as men, we're going to have to be very, very concerned with our own personal spiritual condition. Especially as we see the return of Jesus Christ in this day approaching, as we see all that is taking place on the political field, I believe the hour and the time has come where our personal spiritual condition must come to the surface of our lives. We can hear hundreds of sermons. We can attend hundreds of events. It does not matter. But I'm telling you, there's nothing so healthy tonight than when men will go before God and men will be concerned with their own spiritual condition. And here we find the psalmist laying before us a very intense challenge for God to search him. I want to talk firstly about a spiritual atmosphere that I believe has got the capability of affecting every one of us. These spiritual atmospheres are extremely intense and are going to be compounded in the last days. And I dare say in a group of men this size, these spiritual atmospheres could possibly have already laid hold of your heart, which makes the subject matter so critical. There is a warning. You will find the first one in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. The context of this passage of Scripture is in fact the last days. And the Bible says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless a falling away comes first with any level of study at all. You will find that this is not speaking about an hour of great cessation out of the kingdom of God. It is not talking about hundreds of people backsliding. What it is talking about in the great falling away is the abandonment of biblical truth. I believe that in the last days this is going to be a very, very, very intense spiritual atmosphere. This is describing a generation that is ever learning never coming to the knowledge of the truth. I have seen that play out across the board and even in my ministry in Chinle. I can preach on tithing and even though those people are saved and in church, oftentimes that spiritual truth hardly makes it to the front door for that day. You can preach on on living holy, living clean, preaching on marriage. But there is a climate and an atmosphere that if we are not careful, we will ever be hearing the powerful truth of the divine instruction of the Word of God and it will leave us with very little impact and no intention of change, abandoning the spiritual truth 
that has been laid before us. I believe if we were honest today, there are probably a number of subjects in our own personal life that we hear dealt with and we hear challenged and conviction will come upon our own life. But we will still be recipients of the long-term struggles of the same battle year after year after year, abandoning all the spiritual truth and all the direction we might receive from the pulpit and otherwise. It's speaking about an atmosphere where the truth no longer has impact in our lives. How many folks remember? I've been saved for 24 years. I can remember going to a Prescott conference or any major venue, and I promise you, we thought Jesus was coming back that very night. I can remember when evangelists would come. Oh, beloved, we would fast and pray. We would get right with God. We would repent of things, because woe be unto us if that man would point his finger at us. There was a fear of being exposed. I can remember a day when we missed morning prayer meeting, we'd answer the sinner's altar call. The atmosphere of the last days has got to be recognized in this context. The truth of God's word must have total, total access to our heart to still bring us to the place where we don't abandon what we just heard. In Matthew 24 and 12, it speaks of another spiritual attitude that's going to lend to this thought very powerfully. It says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Also speaking about the last days where society as we know it gets so crazy, so insane, We have been burned so many times. We are totally exhausted in the kingdom of God. We are totally given over. We have done this for years. And lawlessness has abounded. No real conversions. No real changes. Overwhelmed with the sinner world. And the insanity of reaching a dying world. That the love of many will grow cold. There's a lot of things I want to avoid, and this is one of them. I never want to get to the place where I grow to hate the very thing God called me to give my life to. If we are not careful, this spiritual condition, I have seen this get on preachers. I have seen this get on disciples where nothing pleases them, nothing matters. It doesn't matter if a hundred people get saved. The waxed cold heart will say, they're not going to stay saved anyway. What's the use and the, the horrible atmosphere of our love for many growing cold? Listen to me, especially in our longevity. If we're going to make impact in this particular generation, we're going to have to guard our heart from waxing cold in the face of sin that is abounding. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27 speaks of a deadly atmosphere. It says, But I keep my body and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself would become a castaway. 
One of my prayers this morning, I pray it every morning. Said, God, as you allow me to grow in grace, as you allow me to grow in influence, as you advance my own personal life in what is now in the embryo stage of a global atmosphere, God, after having preached to others, do not allow me, I pray against this, I bring my body into subjection, I fight for this, I myself do not want to be a castaway. As I look at our fellowship overall, I have seen some of the most insane things that men have ever conceived in their thinking. And my fear is they are, for all intents and purposes, better men than myself. But absent of a personal spiritual concern, they themselves, men of God, leaders and world voices found themselves in this spiritual atmosphere where they themselves, ever having preached to others, became cast away. I am convinced that there's no battle so great to repair than when anyone of influence becomes a castaway. In the face of these three atmospheres, there is a spiritual concern at work in our text. The word here that you will find, search me, O God, is a term of personal examination. I want you to listen to me. And it is pointing here in a passionate concern. In the context of this passage of Scripture, you can tell that this is not a casual prayer. This is not a normal corporate prayer meeting, I don't believe. But what is at work here is a very serious cry of the psalmist's heart that I believe is critical for men of this generation as he cries out from the depths of his life and he says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. His prayer is so crystal clear. That morning in prayer meeting, I'm so convicted because the psalmist says, God, examine me and search me, I cry, and see if there is any wicked way in me. See, we're not talking about a novice here. We're not talking about a young man here. We're talking about someone who is given over to a spiritual concern, and his final cry is, God, lead me, lead me above all things. Lead me in the way that is everlasting. Psalms 26 and 1 says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me. Prove me and know my heart. Can we talk this morning? I don't know about you, but there's been a time or two in my life I didn't want God to know what I was thinking. We can carry the facade of total togetherness. 
But oftentimes, the very thoughts in our mind, if they were exposed, the thoughts and the intents of our heart were spilled out before men to see, we would find ourselves very short of all that it takes to avoid the spiritual atmospheres that we're being warned against. And here the psalmist is very concerned with what's in his heart. He's very concerned about being led the proper way. And he is saying, God, examine my personal life. The term search me actually means God investigate my personal conduct. This reaches into the depths of our character. See, we've always preached character as a product of discipline or the absence of discipline. But character is not that at all. Character is speaking of the center of the man's heart which is the government over his will, which is his thinking process. I know disciplined men that have terrible character. It's the way they think and the way they choose and the way they decide. And here the the psalmist is saying, you know what, God? I lay before you and I want you with scrutiny to measure the way I conduct the affairs of my personal life. It says, examine my heart. Put me to the test. Know my thoughts. As I was kneeling in that prayer meeting, I'm thinking, my goodness, what am I capable of thinking? What do I allow into the soul gate of my mind and my heart? And he cries out, is there any wicked way in me? I was pretty stumbled by that passage of Scripture. Because for all intents and purposes, I don't believe that we are wicked men. And I really don't think the psalmist was wicked. Because see, we paint that to be this gross, intense, obvious sin, which it may be. But I don't believe this is the context of the prayer of the psalmist. The word here actually means any idolatry or any error or false principle or anything contrary. Listen to the context of this. He is saying, see the word idolatry here is not the shaking of a rattle like the Native Americans to a false god. This is not Catholicism. The word idolatry here is the psalmist is saying, God, see if I've allowed anything that I value more than my duties to you in the kingdom. Think with me for a moment how that kind of idolatry is so preeminent in this generation. So easy to put our duties in the kingdom of God, in our responsibilities to God, second to those things that might have risen to more value than our duty. He says, see if there is any error in me. Do you imagine, gentlemen, what I'm speaking this morning would have spared hundreds of men? See, we all know men who have fallen. 
young, new converts, older converts, disciples, pastors, leaders. And I'm talking about a spiritual concern that would have intervened and intersected their own will had they cried out and said, God, see if there is any error in me. God, deal with anything that is wrong. God, search me and know me. I don't want to think this way. God, lead me in the way that is everlasting. God, is there any error in me? How many folks know that when we're in error, everyone can see it except ourselves? And I'm amazed how we are so convinced that we're right when everyone is saying we're wrong. He says, see if there's any false principle. Boy, aren't we a generation of false principles. Or we will take on a principle and it may have relevance and it may even bear some truth. But I've seen hundreds of men that will die because something is a false in nature. The spiritual concern I'm speaking of is the examination of our own heart. God, is there any false principle in us? How many folks know that when something like that's in us, we can go on for years until one day No one can convince us otherwise. It can be avoided this morning by a personal investigation of our own heart. The psalmist is saying, investigate my life. See if there is anything contrary in me. If I can be honest today, some of the worst times of my Christianity is when there was things that were contrary at work in my own life. That finally came to the place where I said, you know what, God? I can't fight this. This is contrary. God, help me. Deliver me. Examine me. Anything that is contrary, I want you to deal with my heart. Search me and know me. The psalmist knows God searches the heart. He cries out in the first verse of our chapter. He says, Oh, that thou hast searched me and thou that knows me. See, the problem that we have is men look on the outward. And the psalmist understands that God searches the heart. And he is inviting him to exercise that power in his own life. His prayer is is personal in nature. Examine with scrutiny that that I would be under no delusion. Examine me with scrutiny that I'd be under no self-deception, no 
false hope. Let me not cherish any improper feeling. And God deliver me from any evil desires. Search me and know me and try me and deal with me and lead me in the way that I should go. What we're seeing this morning is a clear display of an absent commodity that you and I must embrace this morning, and that is sincerity, genuineness, and the distrust, distrust of self. You know what the truth is? We can't be trusted without Jesus Christ. We're capable of anything. And here we find the psalmist saying, God, I lay my heart open. Proverbs 16 and 3 makes an interesting statement. It says, if we'll commit our ways to the Lord and our thoughts, our thoughts at that juncture in life will be established. I believe this morning, we must come to the place where we're willing to examine ourselves. Do you realize what that would do to discipleship? The years we've spent trying to conform, trying to be convinced, when it's as simple as a personal concern of our own spirituality. I want to speak to you secondly about the temporal versus the spiritual. There's an amazing comparison in the light of the last days that I believe is the conflict of the last days. And we've read it hundreds of times, but I I don't believe we've ever caught it. In Matthew 24, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. Also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now think of that comparison for a moment. There is nothing wrong with eating and drinking. Can you, can you say amen, Brother Dillard? <laughs> Navajos like to eat. Weed and everything. At a wedding, it don't matter what I say is going to happen at the church. Wherever they go after the ceremony, they're going to pig out for hours. Somebody dies. I mean, the food, the food trays are on. What's wrong with eating anyway? Drinking here is not strong drink. That's actually a description of fellowship. Boy, we love to fellowship. Can you say amen? And I believe we ought to fellowship. Can you say amen? This comparison is comparing fellowship to the last days. What a strange comparison. What's wrong with getting married? I'll bet there's men in here you need to get married. Hallelujah. I can see your lip vibrating. You need to get married, bro. In fact, I got a bunch of Navajos need to get married. You better you gotta better be careful here. We might run off with a city girl if you ain't watching. We need to get married. 
There's nothing wrong with getting married. Why is this? In the last days, it'll be like the days of Noah. Hallelujah. They were eating and drinking. You think it'd say fornicating and, you know, queers and homoing. You know, you think. And they were doing all this. And such will the return of the Son of Man be. And you're thinking, what in the world? Eating and drinking and giving and marriage and getting married. What's the problem? problem is it's pointing to the conflict of the last days where it's a generation that is given over to the things that they see, the things of their own life, captivated with normal business, normal jobs, and we all got to work. Normal education, and we all need an education. Given over with the things that we see, raising children, wealth, things that are seen. This is a picture, beloved, of the amazing comparison that in the last days, people will be given over to the things that are temporal, things that are seen. i got to admit, I'm a pastor on the rest. I'm shocked on the honor we've given education. If you want a rude awakening, go meet, go to a parent-teacher day and see some of those crazy people teaching your kids. It's a fact. The weirdest people in universities are the professors. I worry about old people with real long hair. You know, the ponytail starts right here, driving an old beat-up yellow Volvo, and he's the professor. Oh, that touched a little nerve, didn't it? (laughs) I'm from the res. We don't even have a college nowhere close to us. Don't worry. I'm shocked on the tribute and the honor and the respect and the commitment and the determination that we pay to our worldly pharaoh, I mean our worldly jobs. Now, hey, man, I don't know five pastors in our fellowship that are going to make you violate your obligation to your job. We know that. we got to work. But, oh, my God, can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. Got to work. Well, can you at least get an extra hour off? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, I can't do I mean to tell you, late to church, late to prayer, late to every outreach we ever do. But, I mean, we got perfect attendance with Pharaoh's credit business card and time. Sheet. I'm amazed at that. A generation given over to the things that are seen. The conflict is they eclipse the things that are unseen. Oh, beloved. This is a picture, beloved. 2 Corinthians 4 says, While we do not look at the things that are seen, But the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen, beloved, they're temporary. But the things that are not seen, they're eternal. The problem is we've reversed this. We've looked at the things that are seen. We are governed by the things that are seen. Neglecting and avoiding the things that are unseen, which are eternal, beloved. This is the conflict of the last days. I think I finally discovered a clear definition 
of worldliness. I want you to listen to me carefully. We've always pictured worldliness as having lots of toys and nice things. We've pictured worldliness as being given over to the entertainment of this world. And for you Tarfield fans, I'm real sorry you got beat last night. You know, I don't know much about anything, but I do know that the Tar Hills are somewhere linked to North Carolina. And uh, North Carolina, they tried real hard, but they, they got whipped. <laughs> I do know that. I don't think it's wrong to have a favorite football team. I don't think it's wrong to have a favorite basketball team. I don't think it's wrong to have a nice car, nice things. A nice house. I don't believe that's all wrong. But see, we view worldliness as the the accumulating of nice things. Worldliness is when we as individuals have more concern for the things that are that that are seen than the things that are unseen. We're concerned about the eternal welfare of our life. What does it matter what you drive? You could drive a brand new Beamer or an old beat up Volvo. When our priorities are right, worldliness is when we are so consumed with the world that it's eclipsed the things of the kingdom of God. I know people, even in the Res Church, they're too busy to serve God correctly. That's worldliness. They're more concerned about everything they see. Got to eat, Pastor. Got to live, Pastor. Got to drive, Pastor. Got to send the kids to school, Pastor. Got to put food on the table, Pastor. Got to buy clothes, Pastor. Worldliness is when the things that are seen eclipse the things that are not seen. This spirit manifests itself in 2 Timothy 2 and 3, also a picture of the last days. Men shall be lovers of themselves. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The scripture does say they do have a profound form of godliness. They're in church. They do everything they're supposed to do. The bottom line is they're more concerned with what they see than what they don't see. There's an absence of spiritual concern. I close this morning. I believe I have just enough time. The setting of our minds, our hearts, and our souls. Can I tell you that discipleship is not about obedience just to the pastor, to the fellowship. It's a setting of the heart and the mind and the soul. Obedience is an outflow. See, we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to establish our mind, our heart, and our soul By outward discipline, it's never going to happen. Our outward discipline ought to be a manifestation of a set mind, a set heart, and a set soul. When I got saved, beloved, 24 years ago, I had money. I had one of the first televisions that had a zoom lens, a curved screen. I was so given over to the Denver Broncos. Don't laugh. I don't know why to this day. I can answer the phone off my television. 
When I got saved, all the disciples would come to my house. Thought they loved me. Heck, they wanted to watch my TV. Before we even had a TV rule. But you know what? I'm setting my mind and my heart and my soul. Can't have that thing pumping in trash into my family. I began to go to morning prayer. I didn't even know there was morning prayer. And for a while, I didn't think there was. I finally told the pastor, hey man, can I have a key? I got to pray early. What time do you guys pray? Because I had a set mind. I can remember making lots of money in them days. I painted cars of particular interest. And I can remember making $7,000, painted Fleetwood Max Touring Limousine in Farmington, New Mexico. Do you know who we are? I'm the H, and I don't care who you are. I need 50% down, bro. And I remember going to church that night. Sandra, I don't know how we're supposed to tithe. You know, we're Catholics. Catholics don't know how to tithe. You have six bucks on Easter, maybe ten on Christmas. You're done for the year. I hope there's some converted Catholics in this place. <laughs> Can we see their giving report? <laughs> but you know, I knew I had to tithe. And in 1979, no, 19, hey, 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 don't say whoa. I'll be around when you're 50. Listen. I didn't care what the pastor did with it. I said, I got to cut loose 700 bucks. And my wife said, 700? What about the offering, you tight wad? Okay, 800. Oh, heck, just throw in 1,000 to cover ourselves. You know, my pastor, first pastor was a Navajo. I didn't even like Indians. <laughs> What's wrong with this picture? You know, I'm used to Catholic priests. He had long hair, you know, Navajo. But I'd set my mind and my heart and my soul. Didn't matter. The things that are unseen have to govern my life. Colossians 3 says, If you then be risen with Christ, you need to seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. And you need to set your affections, your interests, on those things that are above and not on the things of this earth. There it is again. First Chronicles 29 and 3 says, Moreover, because I have set my affections to the house of my God, God has given me of my own proper good. Proverbs 16 and 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thought shall be established. Somewhere in our own personal spiritual concern, there needs to be some spiritual aims. Psalms 119.10 says, With my whole heart I have sought you. Now there's a man who's concerned with their spirituality. Can, 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 can we talk again? When's the last time we sought God with our whole heart? 
heart. Let me not wander from your commandments. Boy, that's given us a prayer meeting right there. God, don't let me wander. I'm so concerned with myself. Don't let me embrace any evil thing. Your word I will hide in my heart that I will not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me. Teach me thy statutes. I want to be one of these men. I don't want my discipleship from the beginning of time to right now to be this whole arena of my pastor always having to correct me. I want my pastor to be able to embrace a man who's passionate over the statutes of God. Spiritual concern means we give equal time. Equal passion. Equal concern. And lastly, he says, lead me in the way that is everlasting. Now, this Easter service was so powerful. God, I'm in a reservation town. It's Easter Sunday, and I close with this story. My daughters have a way of bringing the Spirit of God into such a powerful, tangible experience. At a Navajo choir. Navajo choir singing Father of Heaven cantata, about 25 songs. That's pretty, that's a miracle all by itself. If you've heard us sing, that's why we sing in Navajo. You can't understand a word we're saying. But here they're singing, man. And my daughters get the mic and they begin to sing Via de la Rosa, first in English. And then in Spanish. And I was taken back to the time I went to Israel. To those tight little corridors. And that little cobblestone brick passageway. Of the actual crucifixion of the Via de la Rosa. It began to dawn on me. That all of my future. All of my life. My manhood. My marriage. My children are a result of this one thought. 24 years ago, I set my mind, my heart, and my soul. So what the church sees now, it's not just talent, it's not just ability, it's not just saved pastor's kids. What they see now is the product of a lifetime where the unseen things of the kingdom have had total, total priority in the unseen corridors of a man's personal life fully eclipsing the things that are seen. You look at how I live and look at all that we do, it don't even make sense. Hello, Sermon Podcast listeners. Pastor Adam here. I've got Dave on the line. Hello. Hello, Mr. Dave. Hello, everybody. (laughs) We wanted to interrupt your sermon uh, listening at the moment just to share with you a few big updates uh, as we are making this podcast hopefully more valuable to you 
as a listener. And as you know, over the last couple of weeks, we have been uh, adding subscription to our podcast offering. And so our free our free podcast still remains uh, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, and by the way, we've added in a Sunday episode as well. So four sermons a week. That is our plan to keep it going uh, going forward. And in addition to that, we have uh, three other sermons, a Tuesday, a Thursday, and a Saturday that are now protected behind a, a, a paywall. And those are part of our new premium feed. The other big feature that you're getting as the premium uh, podcast is they are ad-free and interruption-free. They also are released about six hours earlier than all the rest. So we know that doesn't make a big difference for most of you in, in North America, but maybe for uh, our international audience, that might be something helpful. So so we wanted to share with you why we are doing this once again, and I'm going to let Dave tell you why we are making this sermon podcast with a premium subscription uh, versus what we were doing before. Right. Well, uh, the, the reason is we want to uh, be a blessing to world evangelism. We send a... Um... And a world evangelism pledge into our mother church in Chandler, Arizona, uh, every month. And, uh, we want to, uh, we want to be even more of a blessing than we already are. And you can help us with that. And the way we're going to do that is we are not going to keep one dime of anything that comes in from, from, uh, uh, from either ads or from, uh, if you're a premium subscriber, from, from your uh, subscription, from the money you pay in your subscription, we're not going to keep any of this. It's all going to go toward world evangelism. So that's why we're doing this. We just, we want to, uh, we, we want to give as much as we possibly can and do everything we can to raise as much as possible for the cause of world evangelism. Yeah, we want to make Pastor Campbell happy is yes, what that's we're what really it. trying to do. <laughs> and so we we view the podcast as kind of a, a ship with a sail, you know, and so so far we haven't put up the sail to see how far she can go. So that's what we're doing these last few weeks is we have some new uh, tools that we have discovered to, in order to um, to raise these funds and specifically for the for the purpose of world evangelism so we think that that is something that would be compelling to you as a listener and that's why we are doing this and so we realize that not everybody is going to become a premium subscriber that's okay uh, but if we could yes. get um, maybe 10 percent of our listeners that would be a significant amount of money and so um we wanted to share the update first of all that we already do have some premium subscribers we have a couple on apple podcasts and we also have a couple through our other platform, which is called Supercast. And uh, uh, so as a result, we are now raising approximately $16 per month. That's in addition to our advertising on the free podcast platform. So that is uh, that's not nothing. You know, we're uh, yes. in just a couple of weeks um, to already be getting $16 per month. We are very, very happy with that. And um, we think absolutely. That that you will also be blessed by that. So what we wanted to do in this short time that we have together, uh, I wanted uh, I wanted to twist Dave's arm into doing <laughs> a, a live subscription to the premium podcast while we're listening, just so that you can get an idea how it goes and how easy it is. So I'll tell you that for the, for the people who are using Apple phones, it's going to be 
almost too easy to describe. <laughs> it's going to be actually harder for me to get out the words than it is for you to hit the subscribe button. I, I did that on my phone. And before I knew it, I was already signed up for the free three day trial and um, being charged for for, you know, for the premium subscription. So we think those of you who are using the Apple podcast app, it's going to be pretty obvious uh, because it's going to be popping up on your screen, a big subscribe button. So if you have any issues with that, you can let us know. But I think that's going to be super easy. But what I would love for you to do, Dave, mm -hmm. is to go yes. to your uh, podcast app that you're using and uh, on an Android phone, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And I would love for you to talk our audience through what you're seeing as you are uh, subscribing to the premium feed through our other platform, which is called Supercast. So let's hear it, man. Okay, so I've pulled up my podcast app, which I'm using Google Podcast. Um, I've pulled up the um, VBPH Sermon Podcast feed. And this is going to be similar no matter which app you're listening from, whether Spotify right. or Overcast or there's there's a hundred of them out there. But sure. as long as you can still see our show notes and click on that link, everything from here will be very similar to what Dave is describing. Right. So I'm going to click on uh, the most recent episode that's in the uh, in in this uh, free feed, uh, which is uh, posted 17 hours ago, filled with the spirit and not nice by Pastor Adam Dragoon. All right. And what I see is subscribe to the new daily premium ad free sermon podcast for only three dollars per month. And wouldn't you know, there is a link right here in the show notes vbph-sermons.supercast.tech. So All right. Gonna, what happens when you tap on that link? I tap on that link and it takes me to that very website. And so here we are, sermons.supercast.tech. Become a premium subscriber today. All proceeds benefit world evangelism. And, awesome. now, I, and now I have a choice. Okay, I what is do, the choice that you see presented I, before your very eyes? <laughs> Actually, there's two choices. I can do a monthly or a yearly subscription. If I choose monthly, there's there's two uh, options. $3 per month, which says free seven-day trial, cancel any time, start your free trial and with a, if I tap that button, or the monthly plus, which is $10 a month and also a free seven-day trial. Um, and it says all the benefits of the premium subscription, but triple the impact on world evangelism. Hey, there you go. So, um, if I switch over to yearly, there is a $29 a year option or a $99 a year option. Uh, so, um, I'm going to probably what gonna, I'm going to do what most listeners are probably going to do. I'm going to, okay, start, what's that going to be? I'm going to start at the very lowest okay okay uh, which is the three dollar per month i'm gonna i'm gonna tap start your free trial and it says sign up for monthly three dollars per month free seven day trial cancel anytime and i agree to the supercast terms of use and privacy policy and i click uh google pay and oh wow it's got google pay in there it's got google pay and by the way if you're doing this on an apple phone it's going to have apple pay on there as well right and enter my PayPal information through Google mm -hmm. Pay. And, and what was your password, Dave? Yeah, yeah. Well, ask Google. They've got them all. No. And, uh, <laughs> and what was your social security number? Right, right. Over there? <laughs> okay. Let's see. 
Your Supercast account has been created. Hot we've dog. Sent, now we've sent, we've sent you an email. And so I go to that email. And wouldn't you know, you have subscribed. And, I, and so I open up that email. It says, uh, connect in three simple steps. One, open this email on the device. Uh, for most people, that's their phone. Uh, click the preferred podcast player icon. And click subscribe, and you're all done. So I'm going to go to my Google Podcast, uh, which it provides me one of the links. And subs- and then Google Podcasts opens, and it says subscribe to a podcast by RSS feed. And it gives me the option to cancel or subscribe. And so I'm going to click subscribe. And boom, I'm in the VBPH Sermon Podcast uh, premium feed. Sweet. So I think that took less than five minutes and it probably mm-hmm. would have been a lot quicker if you weren't talking about it while you were doing it. Right? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. They, just, they make it pretty painless. And so if you jump through that little hoop, um, then you'll be getting uh, all seven sermons per week. And uh, I just want to give you guys uh, a big shout out for, for sticking with us through this. And if, if you become a subscriber, man, that uh, it's, you know, we understand like three bucks a month when it really comes down to it is, is not a whole lot of money. But when we have a, a big group of people that do that, it can really make a huge impact. Our goal starting out here is a hundred bucks a month. And we're already about 15 percent. Well, with Dave's yeah. subscription, we're now close to 20 percent of that goal. Yes. And so uh, we think that, you know, a hundred bucks a month is is not nothing. That's uh, that's going to be a blessing to. Uh, a missionary somewhere and uh, mm-hmm. we want to we, we think that that you'd be excited about doing that and by the way uh this week in the premium feed uh we posted a sermon by pastor mark olson from i believe the year was 2008 and uh it was no 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 it was before that i think it was 2003 but mm-hmm. it was a fireball it was a thursday night message from a prescott conference on world evangelism thursday and man, I found myself weeping some tears and being touched by God uh, wow. through that sermon on Thursday. So I'm just telling you that, you know, uh, when you get those premium feeds, you're getting you're getting double the chance that God is going to help you and speak to you through these messages. So, Dave, I'm glad that you you are now a subscriber. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, well, that's all we want to leave you with, guys. We want to thank you for sticking with us while we kind of uh, explain this. And we, we hope that. um that you find it a blessing too. Uh, even if you don't become a premium subscriber, we still really appreciate you continuing to listen. Uh, we're not going to continue bugging you every every week about this, but we just want to make sure that you are aware how easy it is to become a subscriber if that's something you want to do. And we do appreciate uh, all of you who do that. It's, it's pretty awesome to be a part of that. Absolutely. So thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening to sermons. And thanks for those of you who are becoming subscribers. And thank you for those who are not. Uh, We appreciate you continuing to keep us in your podcast feed on a daily basis. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.